What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Game Time Guru podcast. Listen, this episode is going to be phenomenal. We got a great interview coming your way. But before we get started, we got to take care of the, the housekeeping items, right? First things first, major shout out to the presenting sponsor of the podcast, 208 Printing. If you guys need anything done, shirts, hats, any swag made for either your teams or your business, whatever it may be, go to madeby208.com and check them out. They'll get you taken care of. 208 Printing, the presenting sponsor of the podcast. Also, if you guys are an entrepreneur or a business owner that you want to take your business online and, and enhance your business, you got to check out this 30-day challenge called the One Funnel Away Challenge, okay? It's a 30-day coaching course walking you through the steps of getting your business online put together in 30 days. 30 days, that's all it is, one month for 100 bucks. Go check it out. I've got a link in the description so you guys can check out the One Funnel Away Challenge. Also, if you guys haven't followed me on social media, what are you doing, right? Make sure to go follow me on all my social media platforms. That's where I'll be interacting with the audience more and more, okay? So I want to have you follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, whichever one's your preference, I'm there. So check it out. And if you haven't left me a five-star review on Apple, make sure to go do that as well. Guys, getting into this interview, I want you to understand how amazing this is. Buckle up. This is going to be a perfect interview for parents of student athletes for student athletes that are getting, you know, in, in high school going, you know, to the next level, um, because we're going to be talking to a head coach of a very, very successful college basketball program. You don't want to miss this episode of the game time guru. So what time is it? Game time. This is the game time guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. Another week, another amazing interview. My name is Shane Larson, your host. And today we have the honor of being, you know, side by side here in the Game Time Guru virtual studios with the College of Idaho head coach, Colby Blaine. We're going to get to know him a little bit better, hear about his background, and hear about what he's doing over there at the College of Idaho. Colby, thanks so much for joining the show. You bet. I appreciate it. Looking forward to chatting. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about this. So for the listeners out there, just so you have an understanding, I know I got a lot of listeners in the Valley, but the ones that are all across the United States, there's this city called Caldwell, Idaho, and it gets a bad rap. Okay. Caldwell gets a little bit of a bad rap for just being the city it is. I don't want to disrespect anybody from Caldwell. We all know that there's some great people over, but it's got this bad rap being like, you know, the city it's older, so to speak, but right in the middle of downtown is this like gorgeous campus. And this, all of a sudden there's like this amazing school that's down there. It's amazing college. It's the college of Idaho. And this, this college has some great, uh, sports programs, great academics, but some great sports programs, great athletics over there. And basketball obviously is one of them. So Colby, you have been at the college of Idaho, Idaho for what? Seven years now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Going on seven total. This is the start of my seventh year, seventh year. Now, third year as a head coach, or you've been a coach for three years. Can you clear that up for the audience? Yeah. Just completed year two. I'm starting year three now as the head coach. Okay, cool, cool. So you got a little background here, uh, but you're also from the Valley. So let's get to know you a little bit better, Colby. Like, Because some people would be like, why on earth 
did he end up over at College of Idaho? So like that's where we kind of want to get to know your background, where you're from, and your sports background a little bit. Because uh, to my understanding, I thought you were a basketball player going through high school and, and, and college and whatnot. So talk to us a little bit about your sports background. Sure. So first things first, I mean, I grew up right in the heart of downtown Boise. I was a North End guy. My, my dad taught history at North Junior High. Um, and so I actually, I went to North Junior High. I went to Boise High. Um, and so, I, you know, this is home for me. Um, I'm just not, where my house is now. I'm 30 minutes from my, my childhood house. So, um, but uh, growing up, like I said, my dad was a high school coach his whole career. Um, my sister was a, a heck of a player. Um, I think she was the 2001 uh, state player of the year and ended up uh, playing at Boise State. And so I got to watch all of that. I mean, I was about five years younger than her. Um, and so following my dad, kind of following my sister a little bit, I just fell in love with the game. Um, even while I was playing, so I played at Boise High, um, went on, played two years at Blue Mountain Community College in Pendleton, Oregon. And then I transferred. I started coaching at uh, the University of Montana Western. But even while I was playing, I always was more interested in the coaching aspect. Um, there was there's some stories when I played at Blue Mountain Community College where I actually called timeouts for us because I thought that we needed one, <laughs> um, which I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure my coach, uh, you know, wasn't too happy with me about that stuff, but uh, I'm, I've always been interested in the coaching world. So I uh, went to Montana Western as a junior in college. I, I was a student assistant for them for two years. Um, was an awesome experience. Got to coach, uh, learn from a, a Hall of Famer in Montana, Steve Keller. Um, and then I, I moved, after I graduated, I moved to Twin Falls, um, where I was a volunteer assistant at the College of Southern Idaho. Um, and I chose to volunteer there because I was still working on my master's through Idaho State. Uh, they had a distant campus. And so that was kind of a unique situation for me to be able to, to coach and get my master's. Um, but I stayed there a total of five years, got to uh, bump up to the full-time assistant my last two years. Um, and then I had an opportunity to come here to College of Idaho and work with Scott Garson, my former boss and, and mentor, um, as the assistant here and, and moved back closer to home. And um, so I was the assistant for four years. He left, went to Santa Clara, and they bumped me up, and and I'm here today. Man, that a lot has happened in, I mean, a relatively short period of time. Now, I know it probably doesn't seem like it's a short period of time to you, but in the grand scheme of things, from the time you graduated high school till now, what has it been, 15 years, and all yeah. that went down? Yeah. yeah. That's insane. Go ahead, go ahead. What were you yeah, say? no, I was just going to say, I, it, it, I, I, I'm telling everybody I'm going on year 14 to try and give myself some age, you know, but I know I'm still young in the game. And, and uh, so it's been a, it's been a fun ride, but you're right. There has been a lot of movement. I'm, I'm excited to see what the next 14 years can bring me. That's it's, it actually speaks a lot to your abilities and skill sets because for that to be like, to, to be in the position that you're in right now is amazing. And we're going to get to know a little bit more about the program that you're in charge of right now at college of Idaho, but that's awesome. Like going from being a player and then kind of being the the player coach, so to speak, as you said, like on the court. I want to I want to touch base on this though. You mentioned Blue Mountain Community College. For those who don't know, that's Pendleton, Oregon, like he just said. And uh, Pendleton, Oregon. There's okay, it's in Oregon, and I'm gonna give a little back, background on that too. Yeah. There's a casino, and yeah. then nothing. So tell me about your experience at Pendleton, Oregon. What did you guys even get to do? at Blue Mountain Community College outside of playing basketball, or was that it? Like, was that is that what you guys focused on? Am well, I not giving it enough credit? It's funny that you associate Pendleton with the casino because I like to tell everybody that I built the new wing that's on that casino. So uh, my, my freshman and sophomore years were spent out there uh, learning that gambling is not a winning uh, uh, <laughs> game. So, um, but I love Pendleton. It was, it's a, you know, a town of, uh, I think around 20, 30,000 people and, um, 
it was perfect for me for college. Uh, you know, playing in a smaller junior college, you're playing against guys that are more your age. Um, in a two-year school, you know, you go to a four-year school and you're playing against older guys. And so for me, it was a great spot where I got to play um, close to home, three and a half hours. Uh, but I, I enjoyed the town. I, I don't mind the small town, uh, but you're right. The casino is definitely uh, the uh, the spot in town, I guess. Yeah, shout out Wild Horse. That's it's yeah. so funny you mentioned that. Like, yeah, we've had some good times over there. Um, that's awesome, though. And I, and I appreciate you saying that about junior colleges as well. I think they get a bad rap, and I don't know why. Um, I think there's some big-time benefits that come from going to a community college to start, like a junior college, because, like you said, there's – there's some advantages there. Everybody develops at a different level. Some guys don't hit their peak till they're 22, 23 years old, but they don't have the patience for it. So sometimes that's the better route to go to get your, your, your body developed in the game of basketball. And then for you, obviously, it was, it was helpful in the coaching aspect because you just get to see basketball at a higher level um, yeah. and you get to you know be around that. So I'm curious now, Colby, come over to the College of Idaho. You guys, it, it has been like immediate. It was almost like everyone was kind of a little bit nervous when you know your mentor, Garson, he, he leaves. Um, yeah. And we were kind of nervous about the transition. There was never skipping the beat. In fact, it was just like, boom, pick up where you left off and continue to improve almost. It was like just crazy. Sure. What has that been like so far in the first two years being a head coach for this program? I mean, it says 62-9 and nine overall record. Last year, you guys got to the number one seed. We'll talk a little bit more about the ending of last year. But this is NAIA Division Two, if I'm not mistaken. So talk to us a little bit about like, Wow, you come in here and it's been success since you got here, so to speak. Yeah, well, a couple of things with that. Um, I've, you know, I, I've had great mentors. I've worked for four incredible coaches that, I mean, I could spend a whole hour just going down their resume. Uh, but I've also had good mentors just outside of the game that made me feel really comfortable when I got the job. Um, you know, the, the, the initial thought process is Coach Garson, you know, he's got big shoes to fill, right? That's your thought process is like, holy cow, how do I match up to him? And the best advice everybody, you know, gave me was just be yourself, you know, you implement your own things into the program, take what you like, take what you want to change and, and be yourself. And I feel um, like my, like I've been able to do that myself, but I also feel like our players have been able to make that transition as well. Um, but, you know, another big factor about our success is that I was here, Garson um, came one year before I did. He hired me after his first year. So I was here his last four years with him. And um, he he included me in the progress of our program everywhere, not just on the court. I'm talking fundraising, public speaking. I mean, any of that stuff. So I really felt like we had kind of built the program together. And I believed in the roadmap that we had. So when I got the job, there was nothing to change. Of course, maybe I, you know, maybe I do a different practice drill or I buy a different you know, shirt for the guys, you know, maybe we don't normally buy or something like that. But the roadmap for our success, how we treat our players, the standards we hold ourselves to, you know, how we, I mean, how we win games. Um, we're still running the same plays, the same sets, the same defense. And it's because I believe in all of it. And, and we've just gotten better and better um, as we've continued to grow on it. So um, it was, you know, I, maybe I'm not giving our program enough credit, but the transition was honestly more you know it was easier than taking over a program uh that maybe you had to go to it, it wasn't it's difficult um to keep this roadmap going that we have so interesting man it's actually really cool and and i guess it's a, a lesson to all coaches out there too we've had a couple other coaches on the show before and it's kind of like how you can how you can do that build the programs together and include the assistance in 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 the journey um in every aspect of it not just the coaching aspect like you said i like how you mentioned fundraisers that's actually really good. just everything that's built around that program um 
include in, inclusion is huge like including the the people in there because then if there is an opportunity right here where they have to go it's it's a seamless transition and and things just go smoothly which they have um here's a question i have for you because we talk about coaching trees sometimes you hear about that like i've been reading this book by marty smith called never uh, never settle and marty smith's an analyst at espn and he was talking about coaching trees you know nick saban has a coaching tree he leaves he like kind of branches this coaching tree down and I, and i'm curious to hear from you i mean you mentioned your mentors and and the coaches you've you know been under before and just everything how important to you is uh leaving like a coaching tree for you like for example the the ones under you i know you're you know relatively new in the head coaching space yeah super successful but do you look at that for the future like are you trying to include your assistants the way that you were included with garson and try to build that coaching tree moving forward as well oh yeah absolutely that's uh i was like i said i've been privileged to have four great head coaches that i've learned about a lot of different parts of the game you know they all all of them have their own focus on on the game and and, and the job um, and I've gotten to include all that in, in my ideology. Um, but the, one of the biggest things that, that I take away is that I had a lot of people help me get where I got, where, where I am right now. And that's all I'm concerned about is helping our staff members, um, you know, try and reach their goals. Um, and so we actually had, we've had a kind of a changing of the guard here this year. I had three assistants that worked for me last year. Um, they've all had opportunities um, outside of our program um, and they all um, were able to, to take them. And so I saw my staff kind of, um, you know, disappear over the last couple months. Uh, but that's what our program is built for. It's, you know, you're I'm not this place is not built for you to be here 10, 15, 20 years as an assistant. We want you to come learn and and continue to move on and, and reach your goals. You know, not everybody's goal is to be um, an NAI assistant coach. Um, a lot of a lot of assistants want to be, you know, a head coach or a division one coach. And um, and so we want to help get them there. And so. Um, that's been awesome for me. I, Michael Johnson worked for me my first year, and, and he's now the director of ops at Utah Valley. Just today, they announced uh, Trevor Stranger, who worked at Rocky Mountain High School two years ago as their uh, freshman coach. He worked for us last year, and now he's the video coordinator at Boise State. So it is really cool to see um, our coaches continue to move on. And I think there's a lot of respect for coaches coming out of our program. That's awesome, man. That That is so cool. Because some people will, like, knock on the smaller schools, not – knocks the wrong word but they'll sure they'll look at the small schools let's say like they use they say a stepping stone they'll call them a stepping stone then i know like as i cover major universities like ohio state for some of the other shows that i do they look at boise state for example and they say it's just a stepping stone school like the coaches go over there they can't pay them enough there's not a lot of there's not a lot of money generated in those schools so those guys are just using it as a stepping stool it's very hard for them to develop a a winning culture because they're changing coaching staff so often because they get to the next level. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, what you were saying right there is like, that's your, you're happy about that. You're happy about the assistants coming in and reaching their goals. But I do have a follow-up question to that Colby is, sure. you know, from a head coaching perspective, is it difficult for you to have the turnover? It's a good turnover. It's for good reason, but is it difficult for you to kind of have to find the right people for the right fit for what you want to do with your program? Yeah, no, that's a heck of a question, because for me, for the first time in my career, I am going through that change right now. So um, we actually I've, I've managed to um, hire three new assistants this year, which is awesome. You know, for us to have three guys that are here all day, every day, full time that are, you know, in the gym shooting with our guys when COVID's over here. That hasn't happened yet. But, um, you know, they're around and they're getting stuff done and, and they're available for our program. Um, but this is the first time I've, I haven't had anybody come back from the year before. And so, of course, uh, I think it's 
uh, easy for everybody to understand that I would be nervous about that. Um, but what I've really learned in my time as the head coach is that if I'll spend more time teaching and planning ahead, like every Sunday night, I'll sit down and, and think, uh, you know, I'll spend an hour planning out what is it that our staff needs to do this week. And if I spend that hour doing that myself, well, they're going to go get 20, 40 hours of work done. Um, and so I've found the value in, okay, I need to actually schedule more time to teach and to, to meet so that we can do more as a group. Because if I'm not communicating well enough and not instructing, then we'll, you know, we'll get a lot less done. And so that's been good for me. I've actually, I just got off the phone. I was having lunch right before we got on here and I got off the phone with a buddy telling him how juiced I am about our new staff. It's energizing to have new eager guys who have creative ideas, who want to see this program continue to get better. They want to see their careers uh, advance. And so they're eager to, to accomplish things. So it's been fun for me so far. That is so cool, man. I like I like the fact that you're coming into it with like, you know, naturally, like there's going to be some anxiety, a little bit of nerves of trying to figure out it's just the unknown. Uh, for you, it's unprecedented because you haven't been there before, but you're coming in there with the right attitude. That speaks volumes. I think it's it's super cool. You know, last year, you took this program to the number one seed in NAIA. You guys won the conference. Like, you guys dominated. I mean, it's crazy here in the in the Treasure Valley of Idaho, you know, the surrounding areas of Boise, to hear anything outside of Boise State, right? It's very – I mean, we don't hear a ton about it. But your guys' program kept popping up in everybody's Twitter feeds, everybody's Instagram feeds, everybody's Facebook feeds. I mean, Idaho Sports Talk was talking about it. I mean, every outlet you started hearing about this. There was some ripples over here over at College of Idaho. And, uh, you know, things – the whole college basketball world got rocked the very end of the season. Can mm -hmm. you talk to us about um, – I guess how the NAIA tournament works for one, because there was some, I would say debate on how uh, seedings happen and who was playing who and all this stuff. And then how it actually ended. So can you tell us a little bit about the end of the year? Like what you thought overall last year, what the energy was like getting to the end of the season and then how COVID impacted you guys specifically? Sure. Yeah. No, it, uh, I mean, magical season is the easy thing to say. It was incredible. Um, no, no team in the history of our conference has ever gone undefeated in conference. And we have multiple national champions in this conference. OIT's won it three times, you know, so um, to not to, you know, to be the first team that could um, run the table is is pretty telling of the, the talent that we had and the chemistry we had and the team we had. Um, so the end of the year was a blast. You know, it's everybody used to ask me, um, you know, we might there was a couple of games. Maybe we were down at halftime and, and we ended up winning them there in the last 10, 15 games of the year. And people would say, well, what what'd you say at halftime? You know what? Uh, what was your speech? And the funny thing is, is I really believe this. This Our program is what we like to call a player-owned program. We put that on our side of our team polo. It's just POP. This is their program. My job in the first couple months and our staff's job in the first couple months is to keep the bus between the lines, but they're the ones driving it. And so I think what you find a lot of times after Christmas is what teams are actually going to drive their bus. Um, and when we started to really see, and we've done this, you know, the last seven years, when our guys really started to see that how special they were, we got better because they started driving that bus harder and faster and keep, you know, and so my job at the end of the year, honestly, was really enjoyable. It was just, you know, little tweaks here and there, um, but it was, it's our guys that are leading the way with all that. Um, and so coming down the stretch, you know, I think some things we found out uh, that, that were positives for us, we were really well conditioned. Um, our last, our tournament games, I mean, we were, we were winning our tournament games by 20 or 30 points. I think you can just see our depth. 
Um, we, we usually play about 10 guys and we were just getting up and down the court better, um, you know, and we were healthier than most teams we played. Um, and so that's what that's what led us to the number one um, rank in the country was just our consistency, our health, our depth, our and then and then the players being excited about what they were trying to accomplish. Um, so, yeah, we did. We, we went into the national tournament, rated the number one team. There was a little bit of a debate about our matchup. We were playing the host team, uh, Northwestern out of Iowa. Great program. Um, the reason they got in this year was because they wouldn't have got in um, any other way based on their, their season other than they were the host team. So the host team gets the automatic bid. Um, they had a, a solid season, uh, but they weren't technically on paper, maybe quote unquote, the worst team in the tournament. So everybody was like, wait a second, how does College of Idaho not get the worst team in the tournament for their matchup? Well, that all came back to, there's so many moving parts in our bracket where um, we, uh, you know, it came back to that there's four independent teams um, that were in the tournament. They don't have a conference and somehow, you know, one of them had to be in a certain bracket because of something. I can't remember all the details, but it just, it forced the NAI to shift the natural matchups because the logistics didn't work out. So it wasn't anything that anybody was trying to do to us on purpose. Um, but if anything, it fired us up to, to play in our first game. So um, it was great motivation. But yeah, unfortunately, we played we played on a Wednesday night. I can't remember the dates, but we played on a Wednesday night at nine o'clock getting off the court. Our assistant AD came to me and said, hey, tomorrow or we, we were going to play Friday. But they said for the rest of the tournament, um, no, you get 100 fans. And I said, OK, it's all right. You know, we got about 100 fans here. We'll be fine. Let's just play Thursday at 10 a.m. My assistant walks in my hotel room and says, are you guys going to play or, or, or no, my fault? He said, do you think they're going to send us home? And I said, no, we're playing. I said, we're already here. Everybody's going to play. There's no way they're sending us home. At noon, we see it on Twitter. Uh, tournament canceled. Everybody's going home. So we were out of there by the next day, Friday afternoon. Talk to me about the the feeling from, I guess, your thoughts and the the players' reactions, I guess, it, when that happens. Because I'm curious to hear. Like This is the first time I've actually talked to somebody who was directly impacted and a program. I'm trying to put myself in your position as a coach. One, two is the players, and you guys have just won the first game, and so you're you got this momentum, this hype. Season's still going. You got a chance for the title. Knowing that your season's done, yeah. what was the feeling when you were talking to your players amongst yourself, and I guess with the players themselves? Sure. Well, you know, I I said this the day it happened, um, and I still believe this. I really believe that there is no emotion in the human soul to to like comprehend that that conversation um when i'm telling the team like hey this is what it looks like it looked you know there's always a little bit of hope maybe that oh we saw it on twitter but they're gonna fix it you know and so it took a little while to settle in um one thing about our program and, and our team and i think this is why we're having a ton of success is our chemistry is so strong um and our relationships everybody we're so you know inclusive and and uh we, everybody loves each other and so the second that happened we just flip switches and we spent the, the next uh, 24 hours we had together um, with each other. Like, so, so that wasn't, there was no ending to that. that you know, um, the seniors um, certainly were upset, but I don't think they could really comprehend what had happened. For me, it wasn't until June, we had a little senior celebration dinner um, before they all left town where I wrote them some notes and writing those notes uh was the hardest thing i've had to do in my my career so far just that i don't i hadn't had any closure on the season either um and i'm i'm not sure if some of our players even have had closure to be honest it's it was a weird weird deal um and so um, but i do think for us 
we took a lot of pride in literally doing everything we could to have the best season we could have. Um, you know, we didn't look back and say, man, I wish we would have won our last game or man, I wish we would have won the tournament because we were getting cut short or, you know, they did, our team took a ton of pride in knowing they did everything they could to have the best season they could have. Man, it's like, it's tough. As a former athlete, I'm, as you're talking about that, and then you say the seniors, I'm just like, again, I'm trying to put myself in your guys' position. Like, that's super hard. Because some of these guys, like, the reality of it is, and I hope that the listeners understand this, is that, like, at an NAIA school, the reality of it is not everyone's going pro. I mean, there might be some opportunities overseas, but it's not like a D1 school where the guy's leaving after a year in the, in you know, in college and going to the pros and has a, shot, a legitimate shot at the NBA. And if not, he'll be playing in a top tier league overseas. Like, you know, in these schools, like they're good quality basketball players, but the reality is not all of them are going to go pro. In fact, that could be the end of their, their basketball playing career unless they're playing city league. I mean, that happens a lot. Um, it's no disrespect to the players. They're phenomenal athletes. I've seen a ton of them. Uh, they're yeah. absolutely incredible. It's just the reality of the game that we're in. And so just to have a season in like that, a career, I should say, in like that, a collegiate career, is just so hard for me to even try to comprehend. And so it's like you said, I, 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 can't, I can't comprehend it. Uh, it's just crazy to hear it. Yeah. Um, so taking that into consideration, what is the momentum? How many players did you guys lose last year coming into this season? And what's the thoughts? I mean, COVID's still technically going on right now. I mean, we've got a global pandemic. We'll see when things pan out, but the sports world has shifted uh, big time. And I don't know if it will ever get back to hundred percent normal. We hope it will, but we're trying to shift around it. So I'm curious, like your guys's preparation right now, Colby, you mentioned you got the assistance, but you got to kind of abide by the laws that are going on around now and the regulations. Yeah. And so there's just a lot of things you got to shift to. So one, how many players did you lose last year? How, who are you bringing back and how are you guys planning on keeping that momentum with new coaches and new players coming into this season? Yeah, no, we, so we ended up losing uh, four players total, three seniors, um, all that started for us, uh, fantastic senior class. Um, and so that certainly some big pieces, but we bring back 11 total players. I mean, when you're talking about um, sustaining success, having 11 guys who understand the roadmap um, is incredible. I mean, that, that ret our, our retention rate is, is awesome. And I attribute that a lot to our coaching staff, to our college. Um, you know, this is a great place to be. It's, we, we play, we play, you know, two hour games and we got 22 hours, you know, in the rest of the day that our guys love being here in those parts too, you know, being in the college and, and being around, um, the people that are out here. So, um, but we, we brought in four other, uh, four new additions two high school freshmen from the local area, Tyler Robinette from Middleton and Johnny Radford from Wood River. And then we brought in two transfers, Jake O'Neill, who was playing golf at Boise State. He's, uh, from Fruitland. Um, and then Elijah Jackson transferred to us from Eastern Washington University. So um, we feel like we picked up some some needed pieces. Um, but with our 11 returners, we got a lot of guys coming back um, that can play for us. And so, in fact, we had three guys coming off our bench last year that could have very easily made a case to start for us. Um, and of course, that's why, you know, we were so talented and, and able to win games. Um, but, you know, our focus right now, uh, I'm feeling very lucky to be in a program that has a culture that is established and has has a day-to-day -day operation that our guys really take pride in. And so um, even though, you know, right now, technically for us at the, at the College of Idaho, we don't have a gym right now. We're kind of on a two-week shutdown and, and hopefully it'll open up next week for us, but we're adjusting. And that is one of our biggest keys um, for our own in-game success. We always talk about adjustments. We don't get worried about um, what we need to exactly be doing 
at the beginning of the game because we know we're going to have to adjust. That word is huge for us. People are using the word pivot quite a bit, um, which I think is a great term. So we're just we're adjusting right now. We're we're getting our workouts outside and the guys are excited. They know very well and, and we don't keep secrets in this program. They know our season could be pushed back. They know our season could be canceled. It's a possibility. They get it. But they also know if they don't prepare for what's in front of us, because right now our season is in front of us. It has not been canceled, it has not been moved. Um, that's, so they know that they just want to be as ready as they can be. And so that's where we're at. Um, and I feel great. I'm not having to motivate any of them. It's it's they want to you know what you get um, with tradition like this is you get a senior class that wants to prove that that they can leave their legacy, too. You know, we have five great seniors this year that was a part, that were a part of last year's success as juniors. And they're just as motivated as ever to, to prove that they can leave their legacy, too. And so it's been a fun environment so far. Man, it's so cool just hearing everything you're talking about. Like the fact that you it, it, a lot of credit goes to you and your coaching staff. But like the, that, it starts from the top down as far as like motivating your players. Un they understand the, the reality of the, the future, the potentials, I should say, the potential reality of the future. But they're going to prepare. Right. Continue yeah. to prepare because you stay ready. You ain't got to get ready. It's that whole concept. I love that. And pivoting and adjusting. I literally just talked about this uh, this past week about how I love the NBA playoffs. Right. Because you get to see the true coaches. You get to see the elite coaches versus the great coaches versus the good coaches. You know, and I always say, like, you can see coaching. They, they shine a light on the coaching without even really telling you they're doing it when you get to the playoffs of the NBA, because you get to see which coaches are riding the coattails of their players which players are benefiting from their coaches because you get to see the adjustments, right? Game one didn't go as well as planned. Okay, so how can I change this lineup? What can we adjust on the defensive front? What can we do here? They make adjustments throughout the entire series, and that's why I think the NBA playoffs are super important because the adjustments. And so when you just mentioned pivoting and adjusting, and that's not even just in gameplay. You're doing it right now in the preparation outside of it. That speaks volumes. That's where you can see an elite coach. Uh, that's what I always talk about, adjustments. Well I'll add this too, just to the concept, because I love, you know, I spend more time talking concepts and psychology than I do watching game film. I'll be very honest about that. <laughs> um, but we know in this program that to accomplish our goal, our, our, our goal is to win a national championship. That's, I mean, that's a pretty uh, understandable goal, but we don't talk about it a ton. We don't talk about how we're going to do it. We know that to accomplish that goal and or the other smaller goals that maybe we have, it's about who we need to become. It's not about how we're going to get there. It's about who we as individuals need to become. Who does this team need to become? And so that's our motivation every day is, okay, I understand my season might be on the line that maybe it's going to get canceled. But at the end of the day, this is about who I need to become. Who am I going to be during these tough times? Can I get myself out of bed and work out even if there is no season? Because we're all going to deal with that when, when our careers are over. You mentioned it. When basketball's over, I'm deal I had to get up today and decide to run, and I didn't want to run today, right? But my motivation was, well, who do I want to be as a person, right? And so we don't focus on on the season. We're just focused on who it is that we need to become. And essentially, we feel like that's what brings us success every day and every year. I love it, man. I absolutely love this. This conversation is fantastic. You're, you're teaching myself and the listeners a ton. I hope those who are, are listening to the show – are getting this like they're grasping this this is why you guys are so successful just hearing from somebody like yourself you get to see why your program is following your lead this is awesome man um here's a question i've always had this myself and i know other people probably do too any sports fan for that matter the the school college of idaho it's not cheap 
um, <laughs> it's not cheap. It's actually pretty expensive tuition there. It's a good, it's a great education. Uh, academics are fantastic. I'm curious though, recruiting for a school like that, um, an NAIA school for, for athletics and stuff. What's the recruiting like? Is it tough to get athletes that can compete at a high level that can meet the academic standards and that, you know, you know, whether or not they get it. I don't know how the scholarships even work with NAIA. Like, tell us about that. Like, how do you recruit to get people to your program for a school like, like College of Idaho? Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question because it comes up every day, every year, every recruit, you know, any basketball player in the Valley is wondering, how does it happen? How does it work? And especially here, um, you know, and there's a lot of things that go through my mind. You, you, you obviously, in a simple term, you get what you pay for at the end of the day. And the College of Idaho is the best education in the state of Idaho. Um, you know, if you're, if you're looking to be in the medical field, you need to be at the College of Idaho. We have the best biology to, uh, program and an 85% placement rate in, uh, you know, med schools after graduation. And so, um, you know, there's some real benefits to what you're paying for. However, um, you asked me the loaded question is, is, you know, it is expensive. How do you pay for it? Um, you know, how do people afford it? Uh, but we, it's not as expensive as you might think. Every applicant um, or every um, uh, student who gets accepted to the college is going to earn a merit scholarship. So while we do have, you know, our total tuition is $42,000. That's top to bottom. Is incoming freshmen this year. That's room and board. That's everything. But if you have a 4.0 GPA coming out of high school, you're going to get a $20,000 tuition uh, uh, scholarship. So that cuts your, it cuts your tuition in half. So technically now, if you're looking at going to Boise State, you're, you're paying about the same, to be honest. Um, so there is a real reward for coming here with high academics, you know, a, a, a good GPA, um, a good test score. We also have some options to apply to the college that don't involve your test score because not everybody, um, you know, does well on standardized tests. Um, but it, it's a little more, it's, it's more affordable than you might think. So it's definitely worth, you know, researching, but we kind of get a pot of money and um, we're able to distribute that money um, the best that we can. We don't, so our system doesn't just work on a, hey, you have 10 full scholarships. We get right. this amount of money and then we're able to distribute um, the best that we can to kind of piece together the team that we can. Um, so we're, of course, we're always looking for high academic guys because they're gonna be able to get the most uh, tuition waiver for sure. Um, and then we can supplement from our end. Um, but here's Shane, what I think is really important about understanding for, for high, if a high school athletes listening right now, or mom and dad, what you've really got to understand about picking a college is there are a lot of things you can't put a price on. And what I mean by that is, yes, you might believe, Hey, I've got to pay $10,000 or $20,000 to pick a college or go to a college, but there are thousands of dollars of things you're getting a return on your investment on and you got to know about that so for example coming to the college of idaho one you are coming to the the, the best academic college in the state you are going to have an alumni base that you're going to meet over your four years that are going to help you tremendously in the in the job market right whether you're business or, or medical or whatever else you know psychology our alumni base is so proud of our education they're back all the time they want to help so you can't put a price on who you're going to meet and who can help you down the line for, for our program. I don't think you can put a price on learning from our culture. I think the things that you can learn from being in our program, how we uh, handle day to day, our day to day operations. Um, that's something that is going to make you a better um, employee or business owner. It's something that's something that's going to make you a better husband and a better father. I really am convicted by that. Um, and it's, some of it is, 
the fact that, you know what, we have been playing in championship games. We do play in front of big crowds. The things you learn when you get those opportunities about yourself and about team and about life are priceless. You can't put a price on that. And not a lot of college athletes get a chance to know what it's like to play for a championship or in front of a packed crowd with the TV, you know, uh, channel 24-7 on our NNU game. Those are priceless things, um, you know, and so uh, that's where you got to decide, well, what are you paying for? You might find a cheaper school by maybe $5,000, but what are you giving up um, that you can't put a price on? So that's what I like to tell, you know, recruits. And so, yeah, we work really hard to find guys that want to be here, that have to invest to be here. Um, but I, I do feel like our staff's done a really good job with that. Dude, that is the most in-depth description and, and, and uh, answer I've ever gotten in regards to that. And I think a lot of parents and, and athletes right now are going to be like appreciating you, like thanking you for that, because that totally puts things into a different perspective. The way that you broke it down, yeah, it's like when you say it, it's like, well, yeah, duh. Like, why, what, you know, <laughs> I should yeah. know that by now. But when you break it down like that and actually put figures to it, like numbers and so forth, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I could, it totally makes sense. Thank you for that. That's awesome, man. Because, uh, yeah, it, from the outside looking in, you're like, man, that's really expensive school, I guess. And I mean, you do get what you pay for. It's interesting because, you know, I, I work for a, for a guy who always teaches that, you know, like when you pay, like those who pay, pay attention, right? So, like, it's the whole concept. Even if it is a little bit more expensive to understand what you're paying for, you get what you pay for. I loved how you just kind of made it simple. You get what you pay for. Like those who pay, pay attention. And typically you're going to get a good ROI. Um, and I like how you break that down for your recruits as well. If I'm an athlete, I'm looking at that. I'm like, okay, I might be a little bit more relaxed in that regard. Be like, okay, yeah, let's go. Talking about your guys' crowd. You mentioned that packed crowd. It's, it's insane because honestly, I'll go back to it. Caldwell, Idaho is not the biggest city in the world, and and you wouldn't expect it, but like when you get to your your games, they are packed. And obviously, you're you built a winning culture, and people like to watch winning basketball and winning athletics. Period. It's funner to watch someone who wins. Yeah. But it's insane. Um, talk to us about the environment at your home games. Talk to us about that because it's in, it's it's amazing, in my opinion. Yeah. It's uh, for me when you growing up and you and I both played high school basketball, you know, about the same time. I think I'm a year older than you. Um, but you, we have a dream of what college basketball is. I'm telling you the experience at College of Idaho is what you dream about. That's it's Now, you may not see it all the time, but it's because, you know, you're watching your Dukes and your UCLAs and stuff, but it's what you dream about. And the, what I mean by that is the atmosphere is electrifying. It is loud. The people care. They're truly, you know, invested and engaged in, in our players. Um, you know, I, I, I tell people this all the time. We've had the privilege to play at places like Arizona, Gonzaga, Utah, Boise State, um, Montana, Utah Valley, Utah State, you name it. We've played at some really great schools over the last five or six years in Division One exhibition games. And I can assure you, when our crowd is packed, there is only one school that I've been to that's louder than our gym, and that's Gonzaga, because they just got 6,000 right on top of you. We were at Arizona with 14,000, and I promise you, our gym was is louder when we're when we have a full crowd. Our NNU game, we got twenty five hundred in there. It is louder and more electrifying than any other gym I've ever been in, and it's because, you know, the the, the intimacy of our court. We're right there. Our football team, our baseball team, our volleyball team. Everybody's right there on the sideline. Um, you know, and we're and you're close, and you can touch the players. And um, but it's electrifying. Everybody always says to me, "Well, you know." You're going to be on your way out. You're going to a division one school. And I'm telling you right now, 
winning in front of a packed crowd is what coaching, you know, that's what you dream about. And, and that's happiness. Like you can't find that. I hate to say this, but I'm, I'm happy to, you know, throw it out there. We average more fans than the university of Idaho and Idaho state. So you tell me where it's fun to coach at, right? Like that's just the truth. That's just honesty. So um, it's, it's electrifying. I love it here. Oh, so awesome, man. I love hearing it from somebody who's there. Like that's amazing, dude. It's fantastic. Tell me this. We're going to, Ask you a few questions uh, just to get to know before we wrap it up. I want to know when you were growing up, before you actually started coaching, who was one of your favorite coaches? Who, sorry, not one of, who was your favorite coach to kind of watch? I mean, some people will say John Wooden, some will say Phil Jackson. Was there a coach, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, it doesn't matter, that you looked up to before you even started coaching? Sure. Um, you know, growing up as a young guy, I was a Duke guy. Um, you know, Mike Shashevsky. Um, for sure. Uh, I haven't, I don't follow as much anymore, but uh, when I was in, you know, junior high and all that, it was, it was all Duke. So of course I'd follow him for sure. But a lot of, a lot of local um, people for me too, my dad, you know, has played a huge role in my coaching career. Uh, I, I really feel like he helped me become a creative coach. He always is thinking outside the box and he's instilled in me how to, how to do that as a coach. Um, you know, off the wall one is, is Rod Darren. He was my, he's a math teacher at Boise high. He was my JV coach at Boise high school, um, for two years. He was phenomenal. I still use a lot of stuff. And I watched him as I was a young kid, uh, watching him, um, you know, coach teams before I got to Boise high. So yeah, we go from Mike Krzyzewski to my dad, to Rod Darren, and um, a lot of good ones in between. Oh, I love that, man. Are you able to give a specific of like your dad's, you know, helping you think outside the box? Is there maybe something that you're allowed to share that was outside of the box creative in your coaching career? He, he just, his, his, my dad's the ultimate, um, you know, uh, serve others. He's, he's, he's sending you the random cookies in the mail or the, you know, uh, he loved for my sister, he was making the, uh, a spirit pack for high school games. So here I am as a fifth grader, you know, seeing the the spirit pack that he's making and he's just thinking outside the box. And, um, and it's really helped me in my older career, just realize, you know, you can, you can be creative and you can, and you can have some fun for us. One of the creative things that we do is we play catchphrase before practice at least once or twice a week. The point is about communication. You know, you got to communicate. If you guys have ever played catchphrase, it's a blast. Um, but it's so much more than a game and practice, you know, it's fun, but the point is so much more than a game and our guys love it. And, but that's the creativeness that he kind of taught me is it doesn't have to be boring every day. You know, that's fantastic, man. That's, that's awesome. And I appreciate you sharing that last question for you here is what's your favorite memory as a coach so far, whether that was last season and whatever, but what's a specific memory? I know it's relatively new. I mean, seven years in the coaching realm even longer than that technically, but what's your favorite memory as a coach? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, there's, I know which one I want. And of course I want that. I want to tell you about, um, of course I want to tell you about a thousand other ones. Um, you know, there's, there's winning the national championship in 2011 junior college. That's what a hell of a memory, you know, and um, you know, a lot of, a lot of X and O memories, right. A lot of championship memories that I've been a part of, which are awesome. But the number one, uh, most enjoyable moment of my career is a new um, tradition that we've started the last two years that we call Suits for Seniors. And it's a it's a graduation uh, 
you know, gift, I guess you could call it, for our seniors. Once they graduate, they all leave here with a custom suit, tie, uh, shirt, uh, shoes, and a belt. And we go um, to one of our uh, friends of the program's house, and we have a celebration dinner for them. They're all wearing their suits. And these suits symbolize, you know, them moving into their the rest of their life. They're going to need them for weddings and and job interviews and all that. But sitting at that dinner with our seniors who have officially graduated and we're eating a really good meal and we're just reminiscing these it's happened twice we've had it the last two years both of those dinners was by far my best memory as a coach for the the last 14 years just spending that moment with them when they realize they left their legacy they're moving out into the world they're ready they have confidence they have swagger and uh and it's just kind of fun to have that final moment with them Super cool, man. I appreciate you sharing that as well. That's that's awesome, actually. That's that's thinking outside the box, in my opinion. I'm like, dude, thinking of creativity and, and all that stuff. I'm just like, that's that right there is super cool. Now, if I'm a parent or I'm a I'm a student athlete, I'm looking up to you, Colby. I'm trying to figure out something like if there's one piece of advice I could grab from you, what would it be? If you're looking down to like a parent or a student athlete, like in your experience as a coach, as a player. What's like the biggest piece of advice you'd like to to share to those people coming up that you may not ever see? Maybe you might not ever coach them. Maybe you might not ever, you know, be in the same program as them, but like a piece of advice that you've learned in your life so far in your career that you'd like to share. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the biggest things I'm, I'm kind of on a kick on right now is um, trying to help our youth, including their parents, understand that your reputation matters in terms of your recruiting process. And I can speak very easily to uh, my ability to recruit you here to play for us, but it's, it's, it's in every part of life. It's your future jobs. It's your future opportunities. I always tell our players that you'll never know what opportunities you miss out on. If you're not, I mean, if you're, if you're not, um, if your standards aren't very high for yourself, you just won't know what you miss out on. If your reputation's not very good, you just don't know. People won't offer you opportunity. So you might be looking back in 10 years saying, well, how come I didn't get that job? Or how come somebody hasn't asked me to be a part of this? And so my my point is I encourage every you know high school student, especially starting ninth grade, I'm watching everything. Doesn't matter if I'm at a tournament to be casual and just see some friends or or I'm or I'm on the phone with an old friend who happens to tell me he went to a game last night and saw so and so, right? I'm I'm logging all that away. And so when it comes time for maybe an opportunity for you to join our college program, your reputation is going to play a big factor in in us deciding if if you're a good fit for us or not. And it goes for parents too, you know. Um, I'm just, you know, just to give you some real honesty is if if you're the parent that is up and yelling at the ref all game long and you're you know and 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 this and that you know i'm we're gonna know about that you know and so i think it's really important that everybody understands that their investment even in high school is going to decide what their future is and it's not a bad thing it's a great thing it's just you know keep being a good person um and keep investing in the process don't quit too quickly that's one thing that we have our culture is a is a is a transfer culture well i don't like that team or i don't like that job i'm i'm leaving it i'm gonna go get another one and when you really start to build a roadmap that maybe you'll transfer every time that it gets hard well it's gonna happen at our place too so we might as well not even you know get into it um so 
that's I hope that makes sense. And I hope that's a positive that, that people can take away. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to sound negative, but, um, you know, we do look into your roadmap and, and what you've proven already. And we want for us and basketball players, we want guys who've shown they can get through adversity because it's really hard to be a part of a great program. It is not easy. So um, that's that's the best advice I can give you. Man, that's awesome. The whole entire interview, Colby, fantastic. This has just been super eye-opening for me. And as you're talking, like, I mean, I, I spoke with Jerry Stackhouse, former 18-year NBA vet. When he was on the show uh, two months ago, one of the things he even said is it's crazy because, like, I'm you're you're so congruent with, with what he was saying is, you know, he was going to leave North Carolina because he didn't get to play much his freshman year, and he was mad he was going to transfer. And his mom was the one who told him. She's like, if you run now, you'll be running for the rest of your life. Stop trying to jump away every time there's adversity. So here you are sitting there telling us, you know, like, similar concept, different words, you know, don't transfer. Like, you don't – we do we have this like it's like a backbone basically like oh i have a backup plan every single time instead of just trying to fight through the adversity and he told us on the show that that was the best thing he ever did was stay there listen to his mom's advice and went through north carolina and ended up having a very successful nba career uh later on so it's it's cool to hear you say that too because it supplements exactly what we had learned earlier so i appreciate it and uh guys once again this is colby blaine head coach of the college of idaho basketball program we're keeping our fingers crossed colby that you guys get to have a season this year um keep preparing and we really appreciate you joining the show, man. Awesome, Shane. Really enjoyed it. Look forward to, to talking in the future here. For sure. For everybody who's listening, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you thought of the show. Share it with your friends and family. And we'll be talking to you guys next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.